Welcome to MPB's Think Radio. This is Deep South Dining, the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. Good morning. I'm Malcolm White. I'm here with Carol Puckett. We will be your guide this morning through the world of cooking for groups. If you're making dinner for one or two, it can seem simple. But when you turn to numbers in the double digits, there are decisions to be made. What about caterers and how do they cook for hundreds of people at one time? We will break it down, the preparations, the recipes, and make it all just right for large gatherings. We'll share some tips and hopefully we'll help you at your next dinner party. If you have recipes to share, questions to ask, if you're cooking for a large group and you just want to get some good info, call us at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464 or email us at food at mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome to Deep South Dining and happy Monday morning. Carol, how are you? Hey, Mal, how are you? Good Lord, you've been in Russia and I've been in Rhode Island. I know the two R's. Yeah. But a long way apart. They feed you well in Russia? Well, sometimes they did. (laughs) Um, Actually, I was there on a trip for the International Ballet Competition, which happens in Jackson every four years. You're the chairman of that organization, as I understand it. It is just such an asset um, for all of Mississippi, for all of the U.S., but a very last-minute invitation came for us to attend a meeting with other ballet competitions from around the world. So I accompanied our executive director, Mona Nicholas, and we were on planes and trains and ended up in Yaroslavl, Russia, which is uh, a World Heritage Site town about four hours what about From the Moscow. food? I mean, I think we all have I, these ideas about what Russian cuisine is. I don't know too much. Well, but. I mean, the yeah, their food comes at just like most foods out of the land, mm-hmm. and yeah, they've been a country that's had over the years a lot of economic hardship. The sure. food has to do with their climate, so there were a lot of beets and a lot of potatoes, and their right. you know national dish is borscht, right? Which is a beet soup and um that was very good and um yeah lots of potatoes and other root vegetables um and actually mona and i went in yaroslava one night because we were tired of banquet food right to what we thought was a restaurant because we smell smoke oh boy and you know my dad you said where there's smoke there's barbecue and well they served moose and bear Mm. Oh, boy. But I did find you know, a mushroom soup uh, on the menu. But it, it's difficult to deal, you know, to to get around over there because the writing is in Cyrillic. There's no point or, you know, point of ref- reference. Um, but the food in Moscow is very, very refined and mm-hmm. like you would expect. Well, it's an international city. I'm yeah. sure they have cuisine from all around the world, right? Yeah, they do. They also now have Gucci and Prada and um, Chanel, and it's, you know, it's uh, kind of turned your head. It's all happened real fast, but uh, I brought you a present oh, from Russia. Thank you. From and, Russia with yeah, love. From Russia with love. 
Oh my goodness! I don't know. It's it's candy. It's it must chocolate, be chocolate. It's cosmonaut candy. Cosmonaut candy. And um, also, I brought some for our guest today, Chef Enrica. We want to welcome Enrica, thank you, for Chef Williams, into the studio. We're glad you're back. You were with us a few mo- a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Yes. Time flies, but we're so it happy does. to have you back. I'm happy to be back. Yeah, great. You're on. You're rolling. So today we're primarily going to talk about uh, cooking for groups, dinner parties, uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas, family reunions. Uh, and in your case, Chef, you're actually a caterer, so this mm-hmm. is something you do routinely, correct? Yes, that is correct. So you are a caterer for hire, mm-hmm. and you go in and I guess you do corporate deals, you do family deals, I private do, deals. I do those. I also do um, in-house, I do cooking classes. I uh, do different things like girls' nights out. Sometimes women like to get together and they get the wine, and I come in and I will we'll prepare a meal together. I do personal chef. I also do supper clubs. So I'm just doing all sorts of culinary things that are under the umbrella of catering, but just taking it a little extra because I'm extra. Now, for those who, who, yeah, might not know you, could you just give us a little quick uh, background? I see you you grew up where? I grew up in West Point, Mississippi. That's right. I'm from West Point, Mississippi. Golden Uh, Triangle. The Black Prairie. The Black Prairie. Absolutely. And then when I was around 10, I moved to Jackson. Mm -hmm. And then my family, we moved around a lot, but I consider myself very much uh, a Jacksonian. Um, I spent a lot of my summers here. I recently moved back. Here from New Orleans, I Mm -hmm. am a chef by trade. Um, I am a culinarian by birth. I come from a long line of culinarians, uh, cooks, butchers, farmers. So this was a way for me to tie all of those things together. So currently what I am doing now is I am working on some projects that are both here and nationally, some things that I'm working with friends in other parts of the country, but it all ties into food. It all ties into my appreciation and my continual learning of culinary as a vehicle for expression, for tying people together, and just a way for me to have an outlet of all of the things that I enjoy. So that's where I am professionally in my career. Uh, I am local. I am in Jackson, so I do all sorts of fun things. I pop up literally and figuratively in different places uh, with my food and concepts, and I have a lot more in store. (laughs) I bet you do. (laughs) Why don't you go ahead at this point and tell our listeners how they could reach you if someone's interested in bringing you in. So if you wanted to reach me, um, I definitely work by appointment only. I have... um, I have social media. You can reach me on Fauna Food Works. We have an Instagram page as well as a Facebook page. It's Fauna Food Works. I also have an email address, um, Fauna Food Works, F-A-U-N-A-F-O-O-D-W-O-R-K-S at gmail.com. And also I have another email address, um, Enrica Williams. 2016 at gmail.com as well. Okay. Uh, now, you were one of the parlor market chefs, right? You came of course, out of that group? Yes, I was. <clears throat> I, I was one of the originals, as we consider ourselves lovingly. I moved back here from Atlanta. I went to culinary school in Atlanta. And so when Craig Noon had this concept of opening parlor market, I was a part of the initial group who started Parlor Market. So I worked with some awesome people 
who have gone on to do their own separately unique, awesome things. Well, we're going to do yeah. a parlor market. I would love originals that. show uh, at yes, some point. Great. Yeah. You might need a few days for that. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a, right. lot. a lot of segments. Yeah, yeah. Now, Carol, one of the reasons that we decided we'd do a show about cooking for groups and, and dinner parties and such is because tomorrow night, the Wells Fest Art Night will be held at Dueling Hall, and there's a very special dinner being auctioned off, a dinner that will be prepared by Chef Robert St. John and our great friend, David Trigiani. Well, uh, let me just say that that will be a great dinner. David Trigiani is one of the best natural cooks I've ever mm-hmm. known, and by the name Trigiani, you will know it will be Italian. It's Italian. And there will be a pasta involved with a sauce that will be cooked down and absolutely amazing. I, I've always enjoyed being invited to things where David cooks, and I've had the privilege of cooking with him as more of his sous chef or assistant. So mm-hmm. uh, anybody that wants an Italian dinner party, go to this fundraiser and bid <laughs> on David's party. Yeah, so it's tomorrow night at Dueling Hall at 530, and it is the what's called Wells Fest Art Night. It's an art auction. Uh, it's a f- part of the fundraising for Wells Fest, which doesn't take place until Saturday. But this is an earlier version, a way to support Robert St. John's charity, which is um, – the extra table where he provides uh, food for food pantries and people of need. So that's tomorrow night, uh, the Wells Fest uh, Art Night. Uh, go and uh, bid on a dinner with Mr. Robert St. John and David Trigiani. And David's daughter, Elaine Trigiani, is a culinary uh a culinarian. A culinarian. She lives over in Italy and takes groups and uh, is really engaged in the liter- uh, the culinary uh, history and, and development and resources associated with, with Italy and probably some Mississippi stuff, too. Yeah, anyway. we'll have to have her on the show next time she comes home. You, know, you and I have both independently benefited from a trip with Elaine. We have. So, uh, Also, we have the Sweet Tea Festival in Poplarville, Mississippi on October 17, 18. And if you're interested in sweet tea, uh, high tea, or a tea contest, this would be the one for you. This is uh, the Sweet Tea Festival in Poplarville, October 17, 18. And the Bank Plus International Gumbo Festival coming up in downtown Jackson on November 9th. Uh, that is the International Gumbo Festival Championship and festival music, food, and lots of gumbo to sample downtown Jackson at Smith Park. Uh, Malcolm, I'm really glad you're mentioning this now because it gives people a chance to work on their recipes. I mean, no Indeed. surprises the week before. <laughs> no. And, Chef, have you ever entered the International Gumbo Cook-Off? I have cook-off? not. Um, I would love to go to just sample the gumbos, but I've never really entered any competitions um i just like to be the the spectator on the other side and enjoy or i've been in the position to judge a few but as far as me actually competing i've never signed up for any all right we were going to we're going to get to some weird food news but we're gonna have to save it for the (laughs) next segment there carol carol's got some great stuff to share so it's time for a first break when we come back we'll take a look at ways to keep your cool when cooking for a crowd We'll talk about recipes and process and ways to be prepared. Give us a call if you want to talk about feeding groups, about your 
If you have a dinner club or a big family reunion coming up, one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven. Four six four for Carol Puckett or Chef Enrica Williams or myself, Malcolm White. This is Deep South Dining, and we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Welcome back. This is Deep South Dining. Malcolm White here with Carol Puckett and Chef Enrica Williams. Welcome back, ladies. Hello. Hey, Mal. How y'all are? Oh, we good. I'm good. That's good, 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 good. So, you know, Carol, while you were in Russia, I was in Rhode Island. And, um, Enrico, you ever been to Russia or Rhode Island? Not yet. Not yet. Not You're yet. on your list. On my list. Well, definitely. I've never been to Russia, of course, but uh, this is my but first trip Rhode to Rhode Island. Rhode Island is, is a great pro- place. Ro- you know, Providence, is that, mm-hmm. were you in Providence? Yeah, I was in Providence uh, at a national arts uh, convention representing the Mississippi Arts Commission. And I'd never been, but I've learned quickly, uh, you know, it's, there's a couple things that are fascinating about it. That's where the Rhode Island School of Design, RISD, is located. So it's full of young, aspiring artists who are going to college there. And the back end of RISD, the Rhode Island School of Design, campus backs right up to Brown University's mm-hmm. campus. One of our great universities. One of our great Ivy League universities. And then all surrounding those two schools uh, is a neighborhood that's completely on the national register of homes and it's so it's a gorgeous place very hilly very picturesque this is where the state capital of rhode island is uh there's a little river Mm -hmm. that runs through the middle of it not a big river but kind of like town creek if it were to be developed (laughs) Uh, but anyway so it's very cool and the local foods there are of course seafood um, and, and I had went out, only had one night to go out and eat, and I ate oysters. They had three different, four different kinds of Rhode Island oysters. Mm-hmm. I sampled a couple of them, and they were fabulous, very salty, very flavorful, different sizes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that was delicious. One of their local dishes uh, is um, a fried calamari. And what they do differently is besides chopping the calamari up, they chop up banana peppers and mm-hmm. bread that and throw it in with the calamari. That's a Rhode Island uh, That's right. dish. They, I've had that in uh, Houston, and that was the first time that I'd ever had that together, the banana peppers and the calamari. I was in a restaurant in Houston, Texas. It's uh, great. You get that very salty uh-huh. calamari fried flavor, and then bam, that sweet, sweet yeah. vinegary, hot, hot yeah. banana pepper is just Beautiful. Mm-hmm. I'd never had it. The locals I, told me it was a local dish. Maybe they knocked it off from Houston. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Think, like, that I makes think sense, it's though. Portuguese. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, Rhode Island has yeah. a huge Portuguese right. population, and uh, that whole area around Fall mm-hmm. River, Massachusetts, Providence. Uh, That's right. And, and they came to fish because of the abundance of the water. They came to cook what they Fished. What they fish, and there's a little community right outside of Providence called East Providence, and that's where all of the of of, of the Portuguese restaurants were. I actually went online and tried to, to find an authentic Portuguese restaurant, but they were all out on the perimeter. But anyway, I also had crab cakes, uh, mm. and I had some tuna tartare. It was very good, very fresh, very expensive. Very Rhode Island. <laughs> but nice experience. Okay, Carol, you had a <clears throat> weird food news flash. We'd love to hear about it. Well, you know, I'm always 
on the hunt for weird news, and today is a very special day. I've actually known about it for a month. Uh, today is the day that Spam, by the Hormel Company, mm-hmm. is releasing a limited edition of Pumpkin Spice Spam. Pumpkin Spice Spam. Chef, yes, they, you're, you're they closing jumped your on eyes. the you're, Pumpkin you're... Spice bandwagon. <laughs> Do we have a recipe for said <laughs> pumpkin spice spam? We do, and I've shared it with uh, Chef Enrica. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's it's interesting, but this pumpkin spice spam has clove, cinnamon, allspice, mm. nutmeg, and this recipe is spam pumpkin spice fall vegetable hash. Oh, perfect okay. for for Thanksgiving, for but the this fall. is. Only a limited dish edition, and you can only get it online from spam.com or walmart.com. And I must tell you that I woke up this morning and went on the website to to place my order because in, in my world, I'm personally not a spam eater, but um, my boyfriend, John Palmer, and his brother and grandson have a spam club well you know they grew up in corinth yes i mean they why did. wouldn't they why like wouldn't spam they? I mean, but <laughs> they have a little uh spam a spam club I, I stay away but anyway it's the gift for the person who has everything so they'll be getting pumpkin, pumpkin spice, spice spam spam for, for christmas did you order lots of tins uh i ordered yes okay. i did and rick what about this the so spam situation? i like spam so I will probably be a Confess part of that. Sister. Yeah, I would be a part of that club as well. I like spam. Uh, this pumpkin spice thing for me is just like a very. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it initiates the official autumn season approaching because everything now is pumpkin spice. But initially, I did you know roll my eyes and I laugh about it uh about the pumpkin spice fam but when you think about it especially with the uh flavors and the the spices that are in it I'm wondering does it mimic slightly what a ham would taste like for the holidays mm-hmm. but in a spammy kind of way a spammy kind of way yeah so, but you know I'm right. a spam purist and so I like my spam okay. You know. If you're a spam enthusiast, give us a call and stand your ground at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or if you despise spam, we, we want to hear about share it. Share that and with us too. I mean, who despises spam? No, no. How, well, how can you? Despise I don't despise it. spam. But Malcolm, we were talking. Well, first of all, here is a gift I brought oh boy, you. A, I got a spam. A spam flyswatter. Fly they have many, many products online and. Enrica, I'm sorry I didn't know before that that you were coming on the show, but there are many, many products from spam clocks, uh, all sorts of things that you can order. And they actually have... Chef is about to lose her her water. She's she's collapsing on us over here. And and Enrica actually knew about this because she was invited to go to the Spam Museum in Austin, Minnesota. It's 14,000 square feet, but... Uh, you were reminding me that there's a strong Mississippi connection to Spam. I was? It involved a race car. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, Lake Speed. Uh, Lake Speed, the great racer from Jackson. I think he was a NASCAR guy. I, yeah. I don't know my racing very well, but I know Lake Speed drove the Spam car. For many years. Yeah, he was sponsored by Spam. I mm, bet yeah. he's got his own Spam fly swatter. I bet he, among, I bet he does. things of Spam, yeah. I'm sure he has. And Chef, so it's a Spam. Here soon. Okay. 
Jubilee. Spam Jubilee, y'all. Oh, my. Well, thanks for the flash water. All right, now let's talk about something a little more sophisticated. Let's talk about the two of you share this uh, relationship, uh, the James Beard House and the James Beard Dinner. Carol, you've participated in this, and Rika, you also have. So talk a little bit about the seriousness of the James Beard Award, the James Beard House. Well, the the house is named after James Beard. It's actually his house, mm-hmm. and he he was one of the real icons of American cuisine in terms of, you know, writing and cook cookbooks and celebrating the things that bring us together as Americans as opposed to, you know, we looked to the French and to the mm-hmm. Italians, but bringing together what is ours. And when he died, uh, a group of culinary people. I mean, Julia Child was one of them. A lot of the big names mm-hmm. wanted to preserve his heritage. So they bought his house, and there uh, they invite. There's a society, and you can be a member. You know, anybody I think can be a member, and they have dinners, and it's a huge honor mm-hmm. to be invited to cook you know, to cook there. Um, there are also the James Beard Awards, which right. every year honor uh, major chefs and accomplishments. But when I first, before I met Enrica. I heard that she was cooking this summer at the James Beard house, and immediately I thought, wow, way to go, <laughs> and now she's going back. So I you've am, already done it once. I've, I've done it twice. I've been fortunate to do it two times, and I'm actually leaving in two weeks to do it for the third time. Whoa. Yeah. So so my mind is is there and it's here because I'm still I have the menu and my course down but you know there are lots of processes that I go through of making sure um, how I want it plated up um, execution uh, just using our time wisely because I'll be one of several chefs the dinner that is going to be on October the 10th and the dinner series is actually called Southern Black Traditions and it's all black women chefs okay. from different parts of the country and ironically I'm the only one from the south that is funny <laughs> yeah so we have what an two honor. from um, Wisconsin we have a young lady um, she is from Alaska born and raised in Alaska And then we have another chef. She is from upstate New York. And so what we are going to do is tie together the southern roots and the traditions from each family perspective and put it together as this one big piece. So I'm really excited about that. How many people do you feed at this dinner? Um, The most that we've done is like 65. Mm -hmm. Um, But recently, just because of fire coats and things, they've kind of knocked it down a little bit to 55 total. I think that's great. Yeah. And I, I want our listeners to picture when we are talking about the Beard House, we are not talking about a big house. No. We are talking about it's a, a townhouse. brownstone mm-hmm. yeah, townhouse. What would you say? 3,000 square feet? Mm, I would say a little more. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Maybe a little, three a little story. more. It's three stories mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the kitchen is on the first floor and uh-huh. it is Tiny. Tiny. Mm-hmm. You have to really plan. You do. Yeah. And these people eat all up and down these No, floors? actually, um, we, they have the dining room on the second level. What they've done in the past is in the sunroom, the atrium part, they've actually set up um, tables there as well. Usually that's where the bar is set up and the cocktails and people mingle around. Mm-hmm. But what has happened is that certain dinners have gained such popularity that they've been kind of pushing a little bit um, the occupancy. 
And so we would have some people that are having dinner in the atrium area, and then you'd have the rest of the group on the second floor. So you have servers that are going up steep stairs. Yeah, and small and, stairways. Yeah, stall, small, narrow stairwells. And so um, so for us, for this dinner, we're actually doing around 60. Mm-hmm. That's what we're planning for. And we're in a good space right now where we're almost sold out. So we're excited about What's that. Your, what is your dish? <laughs> so so excited. my dish, it is simply titled um, Chicken and Corn Pone. And so what what is going to happen with that is going to be an interpretation of chicken and corn pone for me. So I am going to do some different techniques to flex a little bit because you're at the beard house. So you mm-hmm. want to just do something really um, extravagant and beautiful, but also very um, conducive to who you are as a chef and your thing. So what I'm going to do is when I think of corn pone, I think of my mother's chicken and dressing. Right. So I'm going to bone... I'm going to bone a chicken wing, and I'm going to uh, brine that, and then I'm going to stuff it with my mom's dressing. The wing. The the wing. Uh-huh. And so we're going to leave the wing tip on, and right. it's going to be presented on a plate. And I can't give you the rest of it because visually I know what it is, and then when I show the picture, people are going to say, what in the world, like how I'm going to eat that. But what I want that to evoke is, you know, you're in the South, you eat fried chicken. We love fried chicken. And we also like to nibble on bones. Right. So I want them to actually eat the boneless wing and actually chew on the tips of the wings because in my family, you don't throw those away. Those are like snacks. And so I want to bring that small little quirk to the Beard House. And it's going to be presented very simply, but when they eat the thing, it's going to be like they're having chicken and dressing. And is this an appetizer? Or? This is an appetizer. Okay. Yeah, this is an appetizer. And then for a past hors d'oeuvre, I'm going to do um, a version of a, I'm going to do a vegan hush puppy. Oh, good for you. Yeah, so I'm going to smoke some okra, chop that up, probably do a little um, mock shoe inside of it, mock shoe, which is corn, bell peppers, onions. I'm going to probably do that mm-hmm. and then do like a smoked chow chow um, remoulade aioli sort of thing. So you'll plate this up for 60 plus people. So mm-hmm. each one of these chicken stuffed chicken wings and each one of the, so the hush puppies. The, the hush puppies are going to be like appetizers. So what we do is those are passed and, and as many of those okay. as you'd like. But the actual first course will be the um, chicken wing. And that's going to each person will get one of those. Wow. Yeah. So Carol? I have a lot of work to do. When I get <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah. All right. It's break time. Uh, We are going to come back after a short break and talk to you more about cooking for dinner parties, cooking for crowds, sharing recipes. Uh, And again, if you want to join the conversation, 1-877-MPB-RING, which is 1-877-672-7464, or be happy to take your email at food at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back with Enrica Williams, the chef. Carol Puckett, and myself, Malcolm White. This is Deep South Dining. We shall return. All righty. Welcome back to Deep South Dining. Malcolm White here with Carol Puckett and Chef Enrica Williams. Welcome back, ladies. Thank you. So happy Glad to, have to be you here. here. If you're ever listening to a Deep South Dining episode and you get pulled away and you can't hear the whole thing, or if you're just randomly interested in hearing back episodes of our show, you can go to mpbonline.org backslash deep south dining 
And you can download uh, any of our shows. You can subscribe to the podcast using MPB Public Media app or any podcast app. That way you never miss a show, you never miss a recipe, you never miss a guest here on Deep South Dining. All right, ladies, you guys have uh, both cooked for large groups, and uh, we're going to talk about tips, and we're going to talk about recipes. And But before we do that, we're going to go to the phone line and talk to Lynn, who's got an observation about spam. Hello, Lynn. Hello, Malcolm. Hello, ladies. Hello. Uh, Hi. We used to um, put on a little dinner party for friends from out of town, and uh, we do it um, potluck style. Everybody local would bring something. But one of our guests was uh, Native Hawaiian, so she decided to treat us. Mm-hmm. She made Spam Masubi for us. I love Spam Masubi. Yep. I know. Yeah, there Please was a lot tell. Over, but what, I kept it. What is Spam Masubi? It's, it's, it's simple. So being in West Point... Um, we would eat fried spam and rice a lot just for snacks, breakfast, just... It was, the, the spam stirred into the rice. Actually, we would just slice it uh-huh. and just and just fry it and then my, uh, make a pot of rice. Okay, so they were um, separate. Uh-huh, so we, we would eat okay. them together. So, you know, you yeah, know, chop I it up you. eventually. So, uh, spam masubi is um, rice and it has nori wrapped around the sliced um, spam. And it also has like this sticky... Swedish sort of teriyaki soy sauce, but it is a delicacy in Hawaii. Um, and yeah. actually, if I might do like a small shameless plug, um, Rachel at the food hall at Poke Stop, she does um, she does masubi on the weekends. And but it also has a fried egg in it too. So I don't really eat eggs. So I just take I ask for mine so this without is that. Cultivation. This is in cultivation uh-huh. food hall. Yep, you can get you can get spam masubi locally. So there you go, well, Lynn. Did you gotta know that? Say that nori is the, the sticky ja- uh, the nori the the, the paper mm-hmm. the, the, mm-hmm. that covers the, you the know, black. Mm-hmm. Shiny uh, rice paper, yeah. seaweed paper mm-hmm. that covers sushi. So, Lynn? Now my, fr- my friend was telling me that uh, as when I was a kid, mm-hmm. little country store you would go to, you could find summer sausage, packet crackers, and that was lunch. Mm-hmm. Spam Masubi is the Hawaiian version of that. Every little country store mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. anywhere would have just trays of it waiting for you to come in. Wow. Yeah. Well, Lynn, thanks for listening, and certainly thank you for calling and getting us on that, getting a great tip going around about Sam Masubi and finding out that you can eat it locally here. That's very cool. Now, ladies, y'all work together on a dinner. Y'all have cooked together. And, uh, Carol, you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we we actually uh, were a team uh, from meeting Enrica and eating her food at Cultivation Hall when she was there. Uh, John and I were having a really special luncheon, and we wanted a really special chef. And so Enrica did a luncheon for 12 for us about three weeks ago for young William Walker, who is a conductor. He's 27 years old. He's he's been on Marshall's show lately, but he lives in Vienna and grew up, went to Jackson Public Schools, you know, played in the Youth Symphony, and now he's a worldwide conductor. But he was home, and we wanted to celebrate his homecoming. So uh, Enrique and I met and kind of – and th- this is one of my food tips. We, we, we talked about what our goal was 
for the party. Mm-hmm. And, you know, William is African-American, so I wanted some, you know, something that reflected that, uh, you know, that heritage. Uh, he is a Southerner, so we wanted something that reflected something kind of, you know, homey. And then for dessert, we wanted something traditional. So I'm going to let Enrica tell tell you what oh, she came wow. up. It was truly <laughs> an amazing, uh, just an amazing lunch. I'm glad you enjoyed the lunch. It was a lot of fun to do it. And then I had a really great team that helped me in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So I was really, I was really grateful for that. It was a lot of fun. I, a lot of the normal stresses that I have with presenting things like this, this event was really fun. So with all of those things that she shared, what I wanted to do was to create something that was very familiar. Um, But I also missed doing fine dining. Like a lot of the things that I've been doing recently have been kind of casual Dining, So I really wanted an opportunity to go back into um, very intricate details and plating and just the whole process of that, because that's where I cut my teeth. Mm-hmm. When I was in culinary school, most of the places that I worked were fine dining, very detail-oriented places. So the menu starts with the first course. I did a roasted sweet potato soup with boiled peanuts and coconut bacon. So it was a savory soup, even though it's the sweet potatoes and and the flavor profiles of that had a little bit of 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 um, it had some cumin. It had like the Berber spices and Berber spices are spices um, from North Africa. Mm -hmm. So you have like cardamom, cumin, coriander, you have paprika, um, but not spice as in spicy, more warmth. So like the, Morocco, sort of, yes. Yeah. Okay. Like a, it's it's because you know every region in different places, and sometimes in those regions there are so many varietal versions of spice blends. Mm-hmm. And so what I wanted to do was like these are things that I would see in my grandmother's cupboard, and I wanted to create um, a soup that reflected that, but also had sort of like a an airline ticket with it as well. Yeah, and the boiled peanut was an amazing touch. You know, people are still talking about it that had that lunch. The boiled peanut was a big surprise. Yeah, because it's because I, I think about just things, and I have a thing for, for boiled peanuts anyway, and they're green, you know, the green boiled peanuts, and I've used those as um, peas. I've used those in place of black-eyed peas in dishes before. Oh. So, I, again, it was just... Just using something Are these else. These the jumbo. Um, I just use the green peanuts, and they were small. Yeah, and small. we just we just shell them, um, and just we boil them in seasonings. And then the coconut bacon. This dish was vegan, but I like bacon, so I wanted something to be crunchy and smoky and texturally the um, the idea of bacon without being bacon. And then the coconut and the spices and the sweet potatoes kind of just tie together right. and gives like a nice depth to it and then the salad was just on poached crawfish and asparagus salad it was just like my take on um what i thought a lady who luncheoned would have at her 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 card party or something um i had a tarragon bernays poached potatoes quail eggs um, poached asparagus had some tomatoes and the crawfish were actually tossed in some of the tarragon bernays as well so it was very light um vibrant in colors and textures so just again what, just 
Were mm-hmm. the uh, asparagus cut or were they? No, whole? well, they were cut into um, just the spears, but they were very thin. Okay. So they weren't like the jumbo or anything. Mm-hmm. And they were just simply poached because the tarragon, bernays, and everything else was so flavorful. I just wanted everything. It was like a, it was a composed salad. Gotcha. So, um, and then for the main course, I actually wanted to do my uh, the first time I went to the beard house, I did uh, fish and grits, and so I wanted to replicate that for this dinner because it's well the luncheon because it was a special occasion. So I did a harissa seared catfish and grits, and also was served with red eye gravy and sautéed gumbo vegetables. What is harissa speared? So so harissa is another spice blends. I am really into spice blends now. Uh, I am finding out um, so many different connections to the way we season things, other parts of the world, especially like African, um, not African, just in in North Africa as a region and then the rest of the continent, but just in different areas, in Ghana, in, um, in Egypt, those different places. So harissa is basically a spice that you usually wet. Um, it's very spicy. It's very red in color, mm-hmm. and you should use it for poultry or for fish. Okay. So in this case, I used it on uh, the catfish and treated it like a blackening. Gotcha. So, but it had a nice coat, like nice crust to it. But it's just a simple catfish, and, and with a cast grits. iron skillet. Of course. Well, okay. Of just course. Amazing, but you have to tell them. You you told the the group that the grits were very special. So yeah, just go the ahead. Grits because because again, a lot of. I love grits, but the grits, grits, I feel, don't always get, like, the respect that they are due. And so I wanted to do a very luxurious grit. Uh So it had cream in it, and I put some creme fraiche in it. I also put some uh, Gouda cheese in it. And I actually made the corn milk out of the husks from the corn, out of the, the I'm sorry, the cob. Oh, you just you scraped it. I scraped it the, because the, the corn was sautéed with the gumbo vegetables. But mm-hmm. I took the cob and steeped that with Parmesan rinds Goodness and made a milk out of it. And that's what I used to incorporate into the grits. Now, these are uptown grits. These are uptown grits. These are grits with high heels. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. leg grits. I'm just visualizing <laughs> people driving around Mississippi hearing this right now, getting hungry. And she hadn't even told you about the pie. Oh, yeah. Okay. The, well, know, before we go, there, I yes. want you to tell us what the gumbo uh Gumbo so, vegetables. So sauteed are. gumbo vegetables. Um, gumbo vegetables is the holy trinity, and mm-hmm. holy trinity is onions, bell pepper, and celery. And I also put some uh, some garlic in it. And I took the the corn, mm-hmm. so it's the corn, and then also tomatoes. And so my mom would always make this okra gumbo. Um, right. For just a side, for we had people that were vegetarians, so she would always make regular gumbo, and then she would make the tomato, the stewed tomato okra gumbo. So that was just kind of like a play on that for me. And um, I grew up eating red-eye gravy and ham and grits for breakfast. And I found that taking the red-eye gravy and supplementing that with uh, chicken feet and gumbo crab to make oh, the boy. broth to 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 glaze the, some, the gumbo vegetables, it just... You you just you just can't do it a little bit like you have to go all the way when you do this stuff. You just all right. Yeah, we're going all the way with yeah, Chef that and Rick was, Williams. Why not? Here. I mean, this is a special occasion. Folks, if you're getting hungry, that's the whole point. <laughs> we want you to be driving around, salivating on this Monday morning. But drive safely, though. Drive you know, safely yeah. and start thinking about dinner and yeah. dinner parties and how you're going to cook. 
All right, we're going to take a little break, come back, talk with Chef Enrique Williams and Carol Puckett and myself, Malcolm White, having a big time here on Deep South Dining. Join the conversation. All you have to do is pick up the phone, dial 1-877-672-7464, or happy to take your email, food at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back. We'll talk more about dinner parties, and we'll be able to talk about the dessert that we left off of the the menu from, from Carol's special party with Chef Enrica Williams. Thank y'all. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Running a business requires smart decisions every day. Make a good decision for your company today and reach MPB listeners through MPB program underwriting. For more information, go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting. Welcome back to Deep South Dining, and my friends, we are having some fun up in here today. I've got a Spam fly sweater, Cosmonaut chocolate, and we are we are reviewing. We're rolling. We're on a roll here, and we're going through this fantastic menu that Chef Enrica Williams and Carol prepared and served. And we'll get to some tips about cooking for groups, and certainly we'll take your calls and your emails if you are interested. But we were in the process of going through the menu that Carol and Chef Williams had prepared for this dinner. And I'd like to ask before you get into mm-hmm. the dessert, how many people were you cooking for and Twelve. preparing for? Twelve people. Mm-hmm. So how many people did you have helping you? There were four that were helping me. Uh, okay. There were two gentlemen that actually helped serve the plates and take those into the dining room. And then there were two ladies who helped me with like little small tasks and helping me plate up and cut things and finish bread and things like that. So it was... And that's an unusually high amount of yeah. people, but we had literally, you know, it's at lunchtime, mm-hmm. midweek, mm-hmm. and we had to get be aware of people's time. time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we had two people serving just to make it go yeah. a little uh-huh. faster. It was and, seamless, too. It was great. And how much of it was prepared a- away from the home oh, versus I would say, in the home? Um, 90%. was already prepared. Yep. You just brought it. Yeah, I brought it. Um, I did, I did the, the grits on, on site. Uh, I did the, like, finishing the veggies. I made the red-eye gravy at night before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I made the milk for the corn grits the night before. Um, the sweet potato soup, same thing, because I like things to kind of marry and go together. And then the, um, yeah, so a lot of it. It was just the small things. I treated like when I was in a restaurant and we used to, before dinner service, we would have to make sure all of our mise en place, right. which is, you know, everything in its place. We would have all those things ready. So all you would do once you are ready to serve that you're basically, com- you're composing it and you're finishing that thing. That means finishing it in the oven after you've. Well, before you seared it in the skillet, but it's still raw, but it has the color that you like for something. And then before you're serving it, you've put it in the oven to heat it up, like those sorts of things. So, um, And that helps a lot, especially... Planning ahead is everything. Yeah, it's the planning of that is definitely a good thing. And I, I would uh, like to tell our listeners that Enrica and I met maybe a week or a week and a half mm-hmm. before the the party and actually pulled the dishes and this is something i think you should do for Mm -hmm. every party that you have we went through looked at what uh, she was going to make what we were going to do and we used uh, a chef's best best friend which are post-it notes yes and we put 
you know, post-it note for the salad, you know, for this, for that, uh, for the serving pieces. Mm-hmm. And so none of that was it was last minute. Mm-hmm. And so by the time we got to the party, all of the cutlery was pulled, the mm-hmm. napkins were pulled and ironed, and each stack of plates for each had, course. Yeah, had a mm-hmm. course assigned to it. And, you know, the glasses were washed Anything that can be done ahead yeah. should be done ahead because I've been places and people go, oh, let me go find. Well, mm-hmm. I don't have enough of this plate or that mm-hmm. plate and all my napkins don't match. But whether you're having paper plates and Correct. napkins right. and plastic cutlery, count it before mm-hmm. you start the party and always count out the the exact number. You know, people will just put a stack of plates, and then all of a sudden you get, oh, I need two more. Mm-hmm. I've this. always gotten the habit. I always do, like, a little bit more um, of, like, if I'm, pre- if I'm preparing for 12, I'm going to probably do, like, 15 or 16 because accidents do happen. Um, you may have a late RSVP or someone may drop in and you still want to be ready as much as you can because, you know, Murphy's Law, whatever can go wrong. Can, and and we actually wrong. had that situation happen 15 minutes before the party. A guest that had declined because of, you know, having uh, to go for medical tests called 15 minutes before and he said, you know, I really, really want to want to come. I know there's probably not food, but I really want, you know, want to come. And, of course, I always believe in abundance and everybody's mm-hmm. welcome at the table. So said, great. And, you know, reset the table. Maybe his that place setting, which mm-hmm. I gave to myself, wasn't exact. And Enrica had an extra piece of mm-hmm. catfish, and it just worked out beautifully. Wow. So the catfish and grits is sort of the shrimp and grits version for Mississippi. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just I like shrimp and grits still, <laughs> yeah. but I always try to use fish, especially catfish, because that is just so synonymous with Mississippi. So when I did it at the Beard House, I wanted to take like a quintessential nostalgic um, dish, but also something that was very intricate with technique. Like I wanted to be able to show not only it, it looks very simple on the plate, but when you taste it, it's the flavors are complex, but they they're still very simple. It's simply complex. So that was why I always use fish. That's great. Before we share the dessert from mm-hmm. from the William Walker dinner, we're going to go to the phones. We've got a caller, Rogers, calling from Florence. He wants to talk a little bit about the Refill Cafe, which we're very pleased to know about. Roger? Well, I don't want to talk about it. I just want you folks to talk about it. It's related, of course, to the whole business of, of culinary arts, but the purpose is broader than that for the, for the workers, students, I guess you could call them, that are that are working there and learning there. So I just, it's a good opportunity, perhaps, for you to give a shout-out to Refill Cafe. Uh, Jeff Good uh, and others, of course, and many, many, many others got that started. It's a wonderful uh, teaching uh, and development project, but it's also a good cafe. Yes. Yeah, and we're not only going to give them a shout-out, uh, Yeah, we're going to invite them to come on the show and, and talk more about it. So, thank you. Well, I went to the opening, and it was fantastic. There were mm-hmm. hundreds and hundreds of people there, and uh, they've done a great job with 
the old it was called the coffee shop. What was it called? Cornelia. Yeah. Coffee shop. Mm-hmm. It's been converted to this refill. It's on the Jackson State mm-hmm. Parkway, just uh, out between Jackson State and downtown. Mm-hmm. Jeff Good and many, many others, many sponsors, many great workers have put together this uh, sort of professional development culinary cafe. It's open for business, for lunch. Mm-hmm. You can rent it for private parties. They teach people how to prepare for the workplace. It's not just about culinary workers and hospitality workers, but it's just training folks uh, about being prepared and ready for the workforce. And mm-hmm. they're doing a great job. It just opened a month or so ago. Mm-hmm. We're certainly going to have them on the show and talk about it. And Roger, we appreciate you uh, putting in a plug for the Refill Cafe. It's a fantastic concept. And now we're going to talk about the dessert that was served on September the 5th for, for the dinner honoring William Walker uh, that Carol and Enrica designed. That's the last piece of the menu, ladies. Well, it was um, lemon pie, and we decided lemon icebox pie was very southern, and mm-hmm. Enrica said she was going to do a deconstructed lemon pie. But when I showed John Palmer the menu, he <laughs> mm-hmm. said, with all this exotic food you're having lemon icebox pie and i said trust me tell them about it (laughs) (laughs) so uh so lemon icebox pie again i think you know i think of like pound cakes and and different desserts that are quintessential mississippi so i wanted to do something that was again light and i wanted to uh texturally play with it without compromising the integrity of the the institution that is a deconstructed lemon icebox pie. So I made a lemon icebox pie. I made the filling in a loaf pan, and um, and then the whipped cream is was real cream, mm-hmm. and I used um, Jack Daniel's vanilla that I made. Wow. It had been brewing for four years. So I had it in those. It took you four years to make it. Yeah. Somebody gave me a bottle of Jack Daniels a few years ago, and I just stuck vanilla beans in it, and I only use a vanilla extract for special occasions, and that was a special occasion. Wow. Yeah. What a great dinner. Thanks for joining Deep South Dining right here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Think Radio. We are funded by generous contributors like yourself. And the show was produced by the magnificent Java Chapman. And we were delighted to have Chef Enrica Williams on the show. Come back anytime. For myself and Carol Puckett, we want to thank you for joining us. And we'll ask you to stay tuned now for Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey, followed by Southern Remedy at 11.